So Friday morning, Harvest and I were out at our garden and I, I realized that our apple tree uh, needed picked. And so, so we worked for 20 or 30 minutes or so and we picked our apples. And after we were done, it had looked so pretty with those bright red, delicious apples on it. And after we were done, it just sort of looked naked. And I, I kind of felt bad for that tree that had worked hard all summer to produce those apples and they are so good. We have this, we have two apple trees and the apples are different varieties, but just fantastic. And they're just so delicious. And it's like that thing worked all spring and all summer and now we just stripped it. But that is why it exists, you know? There isn't any purpose other than its existence. And when it does exactly what God made it to do, it's a perfect tree. And that's the reason why it exists. That, but that tree had to fight frost and worms and disease. And both of our apple trees got a terrible disease this summer where the branches started dying. And, and I gave them a really good soaking of some spray and it seemed to have worked. But, but the birds had pecked a bunch of the apples and uh, there were storms that were blowing it around this year and the heat. And I'm not very good at watering them nearly as much as they probably would absorb. But... Some of those apples turned out just, just perfect, just delicious. John 15, verses 5 to 8, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, and those who remain in me and I remain in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. It was John 15, 5 to 8. And in Luke 6, 43 to 45, Jesus said, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Say the good stored up in his heart. All right. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So um, I just want to talk to you. Lessons from the apple tree. What I thought and felt about that tree after we had unceremoniously stripped it naked on Friday morning. The first thing I think is that for the apple tree... The flower is not the fruit. So back in the spring, whenever that was, that apple blossoms bloom, end of March, sometime in April maybe, the apple blossoms are particularly beautiful. Cherry blossoms are great too. And when they occur, our peach blossoms look nice too, but we haven't had any in years because of the frosts. But the flower is not the fruit. You know, in the spring it comes alive, the sap starts to flow, it warms up, it turns green, and the flower comes out and there's beauty and there's fragrance, but that is not the fruit. In your life, in your walk with God, you had a moment when God made you come alive and it was beautiful and it was fragrant and it was just wonderful. That was not the fruit. Hello? Those flowers petals fall off. They turn brown and they fall off. 
and they don't smell that same beautiful fruity fragrance anymore. It only lasts a very short time in the spring. It actually, truly makes me sad to see the blossoms fall off our fruit trees because they're so beautiful. It's just not right that a flower should not last forever. It's just not. And in heaven, I guarantee you, the flowers never fade. But in our world, everything has to go away. It has to die. But my point is that you had a season in your life that was particularly alive and young and thriving and fragrant and beautiful and God was was birthing you in the spring of your spiritual life. That's not the fruit. That's just the very beginning. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and you remember that and you think, oh, I must have failed because it didn't last. The flower petals always fall off. But they have to fall off so that the fruit can start growing. Hello? The flower petals have to fall off. And I'm not talking about you backsliding into sin or getting lazy in your spiritual walk or whatever. I'm just talking about the feelings and the activity and the intensity of that flowering of your spiritual life. It's okay that you don't feel like you did five years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. Because the summer when you're growing, the tree is growing that fruit, that, that isn't the same as the end of March and May when it's cool and, and beautiful and fragrant. It's normal. The flower is not the fruit. But making fruit is, is real work. For the tree, I mean. It takes a lot of energy for a tree to produce fruit. A lot of energy. In fact, if you, if you prune a tree after it's fruited, it will die. Because it has to have recovery. After it produces its fruit and you pick its fruit, it has to have the rest of the year to recover. It's a lot of work, but it is the sole reason for that tree's existence. The fruit that you are growing for Jesus, Jesus said, if you remain in me and, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. When you produce much fruit, you are truly my disciples and this brings great glory to my Father. It's a lot of work to produce fruit. It will take some things out of you, but it is the reason why you exist, that you will produce much fruit. There's constant thirst. Our trees need a lot of water through the heat of the summer. And I have five-gallon buckets that I've drilled a hole in the bottom so that the water comes out slowly. I don't just water them with a hose because that's just going to stay on the surface and the grass is going to suck it all up. But if they get watered really slowly, the fruit tree needs a lot of water. It's constant thirst. And it isn't bad or wrong. It isn't doing something wrong that it's constantly needing attention. Hello, you aren't doing anything wrong if you feel like I can't do anything without Jesus. He said, behold, I am living water. You have to drink him every day or you will die. You're not doing something wrong to need Jesus every day. Like, well, Jesus, I should, you've done so much good for me, but in the past, I should just be able to make it through this. No, you're going to die. You're going to wilt every day in the heat of life if you don't have a drink. Because he knows you're producing fruit. You're not failing. You're making that fruit. And when the fruit begins to really come on the apple tree, when those apples get a half of their size or more, then the boughs begin to come down. It's loaded down and the winds blow. And there was a few times I was praying this summer, God, please don't, 
please don't ruin our garden. Please don't break our trees because the wind was so gnarly in some of those storms. There, there is a load to carry in the fruit that God has asked you to grow in your life. There's a load of people and circumstances and work to do. It, it might be a really heavy load and that's okay. It's just for a season. It's just for a season, but it might be really heavy. doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It might be hard. It might be painful, whatever. Also want to remind you, if you were here years ago, remember the chains and the broom handle. Remember uh, I told you about the lady who had the rose bush that had not flowered in several years. And her neighbor said, well, you take a broom out in the middle of the night and you beat it really good with that broom handle. And I, I guarantee you, it will have blooms on it next year. And she said, well, what does that do? She said, it stresses the canes in your rose bush and it, it'll break them or you're not breaking them off, but you're, you're breaking them. And then as they heal, it will cause life to flow up into the cane. And sure enough, she did. She beat this rose bush that hadn't blossomed in years and the next year it had more blooms than it had ever had. She said, why am I supposed to do it in the middle of the night? She said, well, see so your neighbors don't see and think you're crazy. But there is an old, old orchardist trick that they would take a really heavy rope or a chain and go out and whip their fruit trees. Just beat the trunk and the main boughs. Just beat it with a chain or, or a really heavy rope. And in the process of stressing those limbs, life comes into them and they produce much fruit. You know, in the biosphere at, that Arizona State has this glass dome out in the desert, they create this completely perfect environment, perfect water, perfect humidity, perfect temperature, and perfect plants that complement each other. But in the early days of this biodome thing that Arizona State wanted to do research in, all the trees kept dying. Um, they'd lose their branches year after year, and they kept having to replant, and they realized it's because there was no wind. The, the trees need the wind to whip their branches every now and then or they will die. It's true of us too. We need the storms that blow through our life to give us strength or we will fall apart. It seems backward that storms are destructive, but it's just blowing off the dead weight. The live tree is actually getting healthier as it gets whipped around in the, in the, tree, in the wind. So remember the chains and the broom handle. The next lesson from the fruit tree is that your fruit is not for you. The apple tree does not get to eat its own fruit. It is not growing those apples for itself. The work that God has given you to do, the fruit Jesus wants you to bear in your life, is not for you. It's for everyone else around you. So that tree worked really hard all spring and summer to grow its apples and then we pick it and we enjoy it and it gets nothing other than it does its job. It's performing the purpose of its existence, but it gets no use or enjoyment out of that fruit. The fruit that he wants you to bear is not for you. It's for others. And as people come and eat the fruit of your life, you are nourishing them, you are feeding them, you are providing them with enjoyment or, or peace or shelter, or whatever it is that you're doing in Jesus' name to serve other people. But it might leave you feeling naked and used. It, it really might. 
some of the home group leaders through the spring and summer that signed on to have a group in their house during this um, lockdown season. Um, one couple talked with Josh and one with me and basically said the same thing. We must be doing this wrong because, because it's hard. Uh, because it's not fulfilling, we must be doing it wrong. Josh and I had a really nice long chuckle about that. Uh, <laughs> that if you're doing it right, it will feed other people. But it might not necessarily feed you. Your fruit that you're producing in your life is to feed other people. You get your food from, directly from Jesus and other people's fruit. Come on. The fruit that you produce, it is you doing your service to the Lord and the good works of your life, but you cannot produce fruit by yourself. You gotta be pollinated by God and or other people. You gotta be in relationship with the Lord and with other people or there will be no fruit. It's not a matter of just trying harder or more self-control, um, just gritting your teeth and obeying harder. This comes out of relationship as God in other people pollinates your life and the fruit grows. So those are the lessons from the apple tree that I, I thought of this week. Sam Williamson, who's a blogger, uh, he has a, a blog and a Facebook page called Beliefs of the Heart. And I've given you some of his stuff before. He, he did a, an article recently that in John 15, Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will produce much fruit. His point in this article was that that isn't a command, that is a promise. We take Jesus saying, you will bear much fruit, and we make that into a threat. <laughs> Rather than a promise. It's like Jesus isn't saying, you will do this. He's celebrating, you will, it will happen. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. It's a promise. It's a factual statement. It isn't a threat or a command. It's a promise that it will happen. The fruit tree doesn't will power its way into producing apples. It just lives and apples happen because it is an apple tree. You just live in Jesus and whatever fruit or nut you are will just grow. Hopefully you're not producing pine cones or thistle flowers. We want fruit, all right? We want um, edible, nice, tasty, healthy, nutritious stuff. Nobody wants to chew your religious pine cone, all right? You're prickly and pokey and painful to chew on your fruit. No, we don't want any, we don't want any pine cones. We want fruit. All right. But whatever you are, however God designed you, you just drink Jesus every day and the fruit will happen through no willpower or decision or skill of your own. The fruit tree has no skill. It just exists. Come on. It doesn't know anything. This is not a, a matter of Jesus threatening that you will bear much fruit or else. It is, you will, it'll happen. Just, just keep drinking me. Abide in me every day and it will happen. Amen, amen. 
If you have the mindset that you have to produce the fruit, you will end up, if, if, if you're the person that has to do the good works, if, if this has to come from my willpower or my skill or my knowledge or my concentration, you will end up with a performance mindset and that's the Pharisees. That I have to produce this, I have to do it. You will obey God out of pressure and guilt instead of love. The Pharisees genuinely thought they were obeying God and they wanted to do it perfectly. And Jesus said, you're sons of Satan. Because they did it out of pressure and guilt and fear and legalism rather than love. They thought they were knowing God by obeying him, but Jesus said, I'm, God's looking you in the face and you don't recognize him because you have no love in your heart. The person who has that mindset that I have to do it, I have to perform, I have to produce, will keep score about what God owes you. God, I did this for you, and I did this for you, and I did this for you, and now I have this big problem, and I'm mad. Why didn't you pay me back for those things I did for you? You're going to keep score of what God owes you, and you're going to demand recognition. Eventually, resentment and unfulfillment and legalism will give way to fear and anger, and then you'll just quit. But if you love Jesus, if you abide in him, you will gladly give whatever he requires without keeping score, without any fear, without any performance pressure. Jesus, I, I don't have to produce this fruit. I can't. I just abide in you and you are the one that makes it grow. Other people want to do great things. And that's just pride. That I, I want to have a bunch of fruit. I want to be recognized. I want, I, maybe, I, maybe it's not even a recognition of other people, but I want in my own heart, I want to know that I have done a bunch of things for God. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the real fruit that Jesus is bearing in your life, most of it you're not aware of. Most of what you think you've done for God, probably you didn't. Um, <laughs> some of it, some of the real stuff you are aware of, you know how much it cost and you gave it in love and selflessness and it's real fruit. But, but a lot of our, our service um, is done with, some of it is done with such a bad attitude it doesn't count. Some of it we want to make sure we get little uh, comments in there where we let people know that we did this and we gave that and we served here and... And, um, and Jesus said that takes away all of the reward. Francis Frangipane had a, an article just this week on his Facebook page about hiddenness and that God loves to hide. And if you want to find God, you have to hide because he is hidden in the prayer closet. He is hidden away fasting. He is hidden away giving himself away. Jesus said when you give your money, when you pray, when you fast, when you serve, do not brag about it. Do not tell people. Don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We're not to seek great things for ourselves. But wow, do we ever want recognition. I, I want people to know how uh, I'm fasting. I want people to know that I've done this great thing. And that Jesus didn't mean you can't tell your testimonies of victory, but you know in your heart when you're wanting people to know what you've done and you want recognition and it's not just about spiritual stuff. I mean, parents want their kids to be recognized in sports and for grades and 
all that stuff, and if somebody else's kid gets a higher award than mine, and I don't think that was right, it burns. It's not fair, but God loves to hide. So Francis Frangipane was writing about being at the Promise Keepers in the late 90s, and the, one of the main themes of Promise Keepers was unity between the denominations. And uh, he said that had been a major thrust of my ministry. I'd written about it. I'd worked all across the nation and the world for unity in the church. And, and he said, and I was, and, and Promise Keepers was going to have this conference on church unity, and I wasn't invited to speak. He said, it really pricked my pride. It's like, oh, I, I'm one of the foremost movers in this. And he said, but I genuinely got a hold of myself, and I, I went and I blessed the people who were speaking and ministering and, and it was fine. He said, but then afterwards it came up again because several of the people who spoke found out I was there and said, well, why weren't you invited to speak? You're the one whose book I read. <laughs> and he said, it caused my pride to burn again, but it also was God pointing me out that I had more to do with this than, than anybody knew, but God had kept me hidden and so he, as he was dealing with that, he said, the Holy Spirit asked him one day, he said, do you know my name? The Holy Spirit asked Francis Frangipane, he said, do you know my name? And he said, I racked my mind through the whole Bible and I realized the Holy Spirit does not have a name. And he said, the Spirit said, I don't, I don't have any identity because I don't want any recognition. I only work for the will of the Father and the glory of Jesus Christ. I, I don't want anybody even to know my name. Jeremiah had a scribe, sort of a secretary named Baruch, and Baruch had big plans for his ministry, and God told him, said, do you seek great things for yourself? I tell you, do not seek them. In Jeremiah's day, it was because a disaster was coming on the nation, and God told Baruch, he said, you're not going to be able to do great things, but I will give you your life as a prize wherever you go. What if God told you, you're not going to be able to accomplish anything except staying alive? and that's my will for you. You're going to serve Jeremiah. You're going to write down all of his prophecies. You're literally going to write the Bible, but it's going to be his name on the book. You're going to get no credit. And in fact, the only time you're mentioned is when I'm rebuking you for wanting great things. Ha! Can you imagine if that's the record of your life? Baruch, you're too proud. You're not going to get accomplish anything except being Jeremiah's servant. Jesus, it's idolatry for us to want to do great things. Not to want to bring glory to Jesus, but for us to want to do great things. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. There is no social justice. There is no political cause. There is no activism. There is no legalism that will accomplish any righteousness unless it's done in the gospel of Jesus Christ. People on both ends of the political spectrum that are marching in the streets and shouting and posting online. And if it is not about salvation in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. Nothing. Not, oh, you might accomplish something good, but it could have been more if it was about me. No, if it's about any issue other than you need to repent of your sin and be saved by Jesus Christ, you are wasting your time. I thought I'd get an amen, at least one amen on that. There's a lot of Christians on the left and the right 
addressing issues and activism and social justice and arguing with each other. And Jesus said, you are doing nothing. Nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Save the world or make the world a better place. Or we're going to save America from its problems. Nope. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. That amen ought to be louder than the trucks. It's just Jesus. Hey, all right. Just yesterday, while I'm here at the church putting my thoughts together on, on paper, just yesterday, the Lord spoke to me and he said, your pastoring this church is your secondary ministry. And I already knew that, but it was good to hear him say it. <laughs> the pastoring this church is your secondary ministry. And I knew exactly what he meant. I know what my primary ministry is. He said, you accomplish way more in an hour in the night than you do working all day at the church. Well, nobody knows what I do in the night. I've told half or two thirds of it to Sarah, but I've had dreams and experiences and prayer times that literally no one knows. There are things the Lord's told me. There's dreams. I've seen things that I have never shared with you. I've shared a lot of them because I want to teach you. I want to reassure you. I want to help you with your own dreams and hearing from the Lord and such. But there are some things that are so personal. I haven't told anybody. God says, you accomplish more in an hour in the night with me than you do all day working with people at the church. Pastoring the church, he says, is my secondary ministry. If I don't do my primary, the secondary won't work. There's a lot of pastors out there who want to have a bigger name, who want to have a TV show or a radio or a blog or a podcast or, or just be more involved and do greater things and it's the exact opposite of what Jesus said to do. Go into your closet and hide. So, there are some people who have the mindset, I have to produce, I have to perform, and it's all on me, and oh no, I can't make it happen, and, and it's all just pressure, and it's going to lead to anger and bean counting and legalism. And then there's others who want that selfish desire of I want to do great things, and boy, we can make it sound like it's for Jesus, but it's really about my own career and my recognition and that I'm famous and that I get glory for doing good things. And that's not, neither one of those is what Jesus meant when he said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Those are, those are both wrong responses. Seeking to do good things, even to want people to think you're a good person, even to want other people to think you're nice is idolatry. You think Jesus cared if the Pharisees thought he was nice? He, no, he said some pretty nasty things to him. He called a woman a dog once. Like, he just said what needed said. He said what was true. He didn't care what people thought about him. In fact, the Pharisees came to him one time and said, we see that you don't care what anybody thinks about you. You just say what you say. He's like, yep, that's right. Even us wanting other people to think well of us is idolatry. You don't need to seek good things. Just be available to help people and be available to encourage people. That's your fruit right there. Just be available. And I know you're not. I know you're really busy. But be available. Make yourself available to help people and make yourself available 
to encourage people. Years ago, I passed out a survey to all of you who were here in the church at that point. And I, wanted, I genuinely wanted to know what, what, as a pastor, do I do that you like and what do you not like? And I, did, I wasn't wanting patted on the head, nor was I looking for criticism. I just wanted to know what do you want and what, am I, what do I do that works and what do I do that you want to see changed? And so I, I gave this survey, I passed this survey out and oh, maybe a third of you or half of you wrote responses to tell me what it was that I do that you like and don't like and only one person in the entire church mentioned my preaching. One person mentioned, you're a good preacher. That was kind of disappointing. <laughs> you know what every single other response was? It was a private conversation. It was when you came to my house to help with that job. It was when you baptized my kid. It was when you prayed for me in the hospital. It was... I mean, just things like you came and, and you helped me with that project on my house or there was a lady who had just bought a battery at Walmart and her car was dead and I put the battery in for her. And I wasn't doing it because I was her pastor. I was doing it because she needed help. But that was the number one thing that she sought to report to me that had meant the most to her. Guess what? You don't have to be a pastor to do those things. You can go and help your single mom neighbor rehang her gutter that fell down. You can go and help your widow neighbor lady can her tomatoes. You can go and pray for your sick neighbor or family member. You don't have to have any platform. You don't have to have any Bible knowledge. You don't have to have any skill. Your fruit will just happen. As you be you in love with Jesus, loving your neighbor, there's the fruit. Boom. And I know you're really busy. I'm really busy. In fact, one night this week, I woke up at two in the morning and I was, I was literally physically having to catch my breath and calm myself down because I was so, I instantly got so stressed out with my to-do list and all the things that are coming up today. It's two in the morning and I need to sleep, but here I am laying awake, thinking about how busy I am. But I had told three different people, families, three different situations that I would do this thing with you and for you, or each situation was completely different, but things that I wanted to do, but I was really busy. I went and did all three of those activities, those three things with those three different families, people. And I did it joyfully and like, I, I, I want to do this, but my workload is going to have to wait. And I got to this morning and I realized all those things that I was stressed out that I wasn't going to get done. I don't even remember what they were. They must be done now. Seriously, you seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Seriously. And I wasn't stressed when I was doing the things with the other people, it was fun. It was a blast. I had a really great week. It was just anxiety, just stupidity, just me thinking I'm busier than I am maybe. I don't even know. And, you know, in the night, I'm like, oh, I got all these things to do. And, and three or four days later, I, they must be done because I'm, I'm not worried about them now. I still got a big load of work ahead of me this week. 
It'll get done or it won't. I mean, seriously, do you ever get your checklist done? Sarah and I were talking yesterday. You never get to the end of it. There's never even a half of an evening where you can sit down and say, oh, I have nothing to do. Uh, this feels so good. The house is clean and the lawn's mowed and the garden's not got a single weed in it. And uh, everything is cool. No, that never happens. So you have to pick what you're going to do anyway. So I'm saying be available to serve people. Make yourself available to encourage your family, your friends, your church family, your neighbors, because you got to pick it anyway. Just be you in love with Jesus, serving people, and there's your fruit. People aren't looking for you to do great things. They're looking for you to help them in the moment when they need help. In the family emergency, my grandkid just went to the hospital. Can you come and pray? The things people will remember about you the things they will say at your funeral are not what the world thinks is great. It will be the personal service, the time you gave them selflessly to help and serve and be a friend and cook meals, to share the produce of your hunting and your garden. And you just, you just took care of people and you were a genuine, caring friend. As you feed on Jesus, you will produce much fruit. So let's feed on Jesus. 